This is Over the Line on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. If anyone ever complains that we don't talk bucks, we could say on December 14th, 2022 of the year of our Lord, we opened the show with the Milwaukee Bucks. It was a battle of the last two uh, NBA champions as the Bucks spanked the hell out of the Golden State Warriors of the Pfizer form last night on national TV, mind you. Uh, the Greek freak, Giannis Dendekumbo, game high, 30 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists. Chris Middleton back from that ankle injury, 20 points, 4 rebounds. And Bobby Portis gave the Bucks 25 points and 11 boards off the bench as they spank Steph Curry. Draymond Green, who had a fan kicked out because he's soft, unless he's trying to come at you by kicking you in the nuts. They beat him 128 to 111. Good morning, Rowdy. How much did you watch last night? Yeah, good morning. So I watched the entire first half and then into probably roughly half of the third quarter. Milwaukee was dominating basically that entire game. It was nice to see Steve Kerr get teed up. And is it weird to say that uh, Giannis might have been the guy that played the worst game for the Bucks? And But a game-high 30 points <laughs> yes, for the free. Yes, sorry. Yeah. He also had 30. He had 12 boards, and he had five assists, and he arguably had, for him, the worst game for the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, Giannis Rowdy was... Everyone else looked pretty good. Giannis uh, had 17 free throws. He made 11 of them. So 30, uh, 11 of those 30 points came off of free throws. 11 of 17. That's pretty good for Giannis, right? 11 of 17. Like that's a, that's that's not bad for the Greek freak. It's like sixty five percent. He was one of six from shooting the three ball. So <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Stop with the. Giannis, like, don't that's why, do that's why Giannis rule. Yeah. You let him shoot three. If he makes one of them, okay, you can keep shooting. But if you don't, just five more. No. <laughs> yeah, the Greek freak plus Bobby minus. Portis was really good last night. Yeah, he was a baller. Uh, let's see here. Plus minus though, Giannis was uh, second on the team, plus seventeen while on the court. It was Brooke Lopez who was plus seventeen, only uh, seven points. But man, he was uh, he had some timely shots. Yeah, Brooke Lopez didn't shoot the ball much, but when I was watching that game, he hit some pretty big shots and then also had a couple of big blocks. Yeah, like Brooke Lopez is the perfect guy, and it's kind of been just his thing since. He, remember when he originally signed with the Milwaukee Bucks for what was it the league? Ex- was it the league exception or whatever the, the $3.1 million yeah. uh, signing is. And they got Brooke Lopez for 3.1 yeah. right after he was making like a ton of cash before that. He has been a guy that's He's come awesome. in and done and played his role really, really well yeah. for the Milwaukee Bucks. Like he knows, Hey, some nights, you know, I'm only going to score 10 points. He's been great. Grab 10 Bucks. boards, but I'm going to be the big man that defends the basket. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to play my role. And, and yeah, the box score says Brooke Lopez wasn't that great, but if you watch the game, he played pretty well. Hey, plus nineteen on a plus minus—that's most on the team. But yeah, he was—he's uh, really a good glue guy, Brooke Lopez, a great glue guy. Uh, you look at um, you know Bobby Portis off the bench too, man. I mean, Bobby. He was crazy, man. 11 of 15 shooting. You think that well, that's the thing outside Portis. of Giannis who shot nine of 26 and <laughs> that's clearly not very good. No, everyone else shot the ball really well. Yeah. Uh, the only person not to play last night, Serge Ibaka. Uh, and that's fine. How old is Serge Ibaka now? Uh, he's 
old is that? 33 years old. God, he seems older than that. Serge Ibaka is the only one who didn't play coach's decision. That's fine. Everyone else got minutes as they pounded the Golden State Warriors. In fact, the Warriors now dropped their third straight road game and fell 2-12 and away from home <laughs> this season. Damn. Yeah, I mean, the Golden State Warriors. Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr like was, Steve was freaking out. Steph Curry was upset. Draymond Green was clearly upset. Yeah. The Warriors were frustrated. I have. You love to see it. Uh, let's see, St- Steve Kerr. Our defense has been bad on the road. For whatever reasons, those splits are dramatic. Well, maybe it's because you guys just aren't that good. I mean, how about that? Uh, Bucks bounced back. Uh, Sunday night, they lost in Houston, in which they were held to 92 points. It was the second lowest total in the game this season. And then the Bucks made... Uh, what over fifty four percent of their shots? So the Bucks put up one hundred and twenty eight, and the Bucks clamped down on defense. It's nice to see the Milwaukee Bucks really damn good. Um, I wanted to get the dream. Couple of dream. homecomings for Golden State Warriors. Yeah, Kevon Looney, obviously a guy from the the Milwaukee area, and uh, Baldwin Junior. Remember he played yeah. at Milwaukee. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here we go, Rowdy. So a fan was ejected last night. I saw this on Instagram, uh, on Twitter. Draymond Green. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I have comments from Draymond Green who want to play. Uh, the Bucks said they are investigating the incident and consulting with the NBA. Security personnel removed the man who was sitting a few rows behind the baseline. Draymond Green, before I play his uh, his quote, he said, uh, the fans said some threatening stuff to my life. I, I'm just going to play it from Draymond Green. I want to I hear this guy. Got what, what, what did they say to you? Uh, some threatening stuff to my life. So, you know, um... I was this close to really going back and, like, diving all the way in, but... Do you believe Draymond Green was this close to diving into the stands to go fight the fan at the Pfizer Forum? I don't know. Remember what he did to Jordan Poole? Mm. His own teammate? (laughs) Yeah, in practice. Obliterated his face with his fist? I do remember that. Just went back and told the official. And when I told the official what he said, he's like, oh, he got to get out of here. And he got to get out of here. Do you, do you like that, I guess? You know, I know you got fined like a couple that? weeks ago when you said something to the fan. Do you like that that's kind of an option to you, I guess? Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't necessarily say that it, that hasn't been an option. That's kind of been an option. But I think, you know, there are times where you're just in the moment, you know, and, and you respond. And so, uh, you know, that's been an option. That that wasn't like, oh, I just found out that was an option. I don't care about the rest of this. He, Draymond Green said he was this close to diving into the stands and fighting the fan. And instead of malice at the palace, we'd have fisticuffs at the Pfizer. Yeah. <laughs> Draymond Green. Um, good player, just if he was. He's a, a, yeah, he's a player that you would love to have on your team. Yeah, but when he's not on your team, you're like, God, this guy is just, this is not my kind of guy. And if you are a teammate, he's a guy that you would love to have on your team unless he's knocking you out. <laughs> totally. I uh, still can't get over the fact that so him and uh, him and Poole were jawing back and forth at a practice earlier this year. Yeah. And that was when all of a sudden they got in each other's face and Poole shoved Draymond Green and Draymond Green did not hold back. Literally just came with a haymaker and dropped Poole with like, basically one punch. It was like the Falcon and then, punch and then just swarmed them. Yeah, it well, was a hell of a hit. <laughs> The best part about that entire thing is um, NBA 2K. So they like to um, update rosters and update player performances yeah. like pretty consistently. Yeah. They updated pools like avatar in the game as to having a black eye. No way. Because, yeah, look it up. Because he had a 
pretty big black eye after getting domed in the face multiple times by Draymond Green in practice. That's hilarious. I'll go check that out. Um, let's see Scan here. the QR code to learn more. And I'm going to see this, this Draymond Green. Today. Draymond Green pointing to a fan. That makes it, it's the same fan he was talking to on the other end of the floor. And I think he is alerted James Capers, the crew chief. Yeah, there he is. I'm not exactly the sure there is. A police officer down in that area. The police officer sitting in front of the fan. He's like three rows up from court. Draymond Green's motioning to get the hell out of here. Kick him out, kick him out. The refs are now signaling the security guards. And then Draymond Green's talking smack. Steph Curry's giving a high five. So now James Capers getting with security here. George Hill's like, what the hell's going on? That's funny. Oh, there's security with their, their headpiece. And there goes the fan. He's in a vest, Rowdy. A vest. Gotta not, watch out for the guy in the vest. Not a sweater vest, but like a, a winter vest. Oh, 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 just kidding. That was a different fan. He's actually in a nice flannel. That was a different fan getting up. You can see it earlier. Draymond Green was looking that way. Well, there, there you go. The Warriors can get one win that way by getting a fan ejected from the Pfizer form. Bucks, though, will take uh, take it over the Golden State Warriors, 128 to 111. Uh, nice to see, man. Nice to see the Bucks getting it done. What's the. Because you were looking at the. The national television games, Rowdy. Is the next one, do they play Christmas? Yeah, it's Christmas Day. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So Bucks, Bucks on Christmas will be your next one. And when you're good, you get a lot of national play. Oh, the Bucks. the one thing about the the Bucks not being on Bally is that the Bucks are, or sorry, Bally not being on Dish, so a lot of people that have Dish aren't able to watch the Milwaukee Bucks. Yep. The one good thing is that the Bucks are good, so they get a <laughs> ton it. of national TV games. And basically they have, because I've been going through and tuning into the majority of games that have been on national TV, Yeah, they they get like at least an average of over four games on national TV a month. That's which awesome, is, which is crazy. Yeah, because I don't get uh, Bally Sports either. So yeah, it's it's going to be Sunday afternoon on Christmas Day at Boston's going to be the oh, next. Oh, that's a good game. See, and now here's another thing that I have beef with the NBA. So actually, tomorrow night's game at Memphis is on national TV. It's but, on NBA TV, yeah. which is kind of similar to MLB Network. Yeah. But whenever, just like the Brewers play on MLB so Network, dumb. whenever the Bucks play on NBA TV, it blacks it out of my area. It's so dumb. So dumb. So it, in theory, I should be able to get a lot more Bucks games because they do play on NBA TV a decent amount as well. But but it's blacked out on my uh, provider. Let's see some notable tele- national televised games coming up here. Uh, obviously, the Warriors last night, Celtics, Rowdy just said, and then the Bucks on January fourteenth will have the Heat. On ABC, so they get a little heatles action. They got some ESPN games in there too. Yeah, those are the, the the notable ones they listed on this thing I'm looking at. But yeah, they have more. So Bucks, when you're good, is this you get play? Is this weird that uh, two of their national broadcasts in the first couple weeks of January are both against Toronto? Huh. Is it kind of weird? I feel like yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's know. not like Toronto has Kawhi Leonard. No, I mean, or like you think of Toronto as like a contender in the East. No, I don't think of when I think of Toronto, I don't think of them, you know, being juggernauts or anything. Where like, like for example, the January seventeenth is on TNT against Toronto. The very next game on Saturday is at Cleveland. 
I would imagine that the Cleveland game, because that team is actually young and has some players, uh-huh. and it's like an up-and-comer, would be a more of a, I would want to watch that over Toronto. I mean, the Raptors are 13 and 14. They're ninth in the East. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, it's like they're not, they don't got much going for them. Uh, all right, well, a uh, lot to get into today. There you go. We open the show with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, if people who are going to call in in the 8, 9 o'clock hour and bitch about us not talking Bucks, well, you should have got up earlier, brewed yourself a cup of coffee, tune into the show right when it started at 6 o'clock, and listen all the way to 10 so you can experience uh, every topic that we have, the topic to show every day. That's Mo- on you. The Milwaukee Bucks moving forward for their – rest of the year have 16 national TV games and that's without anything getting flexed. Hey, when you're good, if you build it, they will come. If you're good, they will watch the Milwaukee Bucks. Luke Fickle on the podium yesterday. The, the man, when he speaks, isn't it not, isn't it a breath of fresh air to hear it when someone speaks like actual words that mean something come out of his mouth? Like that, that's what I, that's what I feel like. Oh, and Luke Fickle's on the podium. I'm going to play you guys one. Uh, he, he's got a lot, but I'm going to play you one. Because, uh, Rowdy, tell the folks who is uh, teasing the Wisconsin fans right now that slings the ball, a guy who's a well, quarterback. I mean, there, there are, and it's not just. Well, I mean, he was in yeah, for he, a visit. He, he was in for a visit yesterday. See his tweet? Yeah, a lot of people are tweeting that. With He's got badger hands. gear on. Yeah, that's what they do now. You see you, the tweet? You take a picture and you go to that room Shh, with the rotating Silence. camera. Silence. What, tell the folks. Yeah, who so was, Nick right, right. Evers, he was a quarterback for Oklahoma, a highly touted four-star quarterback. He did not win the job in Oklahoma as a true freshman, but Oklahoma did have a, a four-year quarterback playing in front of him. He was in for a visit in Madison yesterday. Yeah, he tweeted out the picture saying, hmm, at Badger football, and it's him in all of the Wisconsin get-up gear, and you know they take those pictures. I will say this. RJ was saying, you know, everybody does it. It's something that they do. Yes, but it's not as cringeworthy as the Brian Kelly with recruits in the spinning. Dry humping <laughs> the, the kid in that one? Dude, that was very bizarre. But, Didn't but, that guy hey, decommit then? Yeah. yeah. He decommitted and I believe went to Alabama. But I think so, yeah. Let's give Brian Kelly some credit. They won the... Uh, SEC West. That's okay. right. Yeah. <laughs> and he came Par- in and, apparently and he set didn't, the tone. He didn't want that kid. So he was like, let's make this awkward. <laughs> so also, let's um, talk like the yes. Virginia quarterback transfer Brendan Armstrong also plans to visit Oklahoma State and Wisconsin. Is he just going to come? He's going to come to the bowl game. He's going to go to the bowl game. Is he going to go check it out at the bowl game? So Armstrong ranked second nationally in passing in 2021 with an average of 404 and a half passing yards per game. He's also going to check out Wisconsin. Well, think about all of the quarterbacks all of a sudden since one Luke Fickle and now Phil Longo have been announced as head coach and offensive coordinator. So Cole LaCrue, there's another one. He, he is the quarterback that Wisconsin was recruiting with the old regime. He has since said he's still interested, still committed to Wisconsin. You have Nick well, Evers. Even, even there, they are committed to him. Like he said, he had discussions with Fickle and he said he reminded him of Ritter. And and he is a high star. He is a high three star player. Yeah, you have Nick Evers, who was a true freshman last year at Oklahoma. He is a yeah, a touted four star. Let's not forget that uh, half sleeve. There has been Armstrong from Virginia. Yep, NC State. Quarterback. Also, Hudson Card from Texas, who is a highly yeah. touted four star. Also, there's been some smoke and rumors about him. Like 
That's four quarterbacks where if the, if the Badgers got any of them, you have to be happy because you feel great about yeah. the upgrade in a young, talented, high, highly touted quarterback. And then there's Miles Burkett, his dad, Miles Burkett's dad's on Twitter, being like, don't forget about the kids we already have committed to this team. We got some players here, a.k.a. Believe in my son. My thing, yeah, my thing about that was <laughs> I kind of laughed. I know they do, yeah. I kind of laughed at that tweet, but also... He's like, my son's the man. Here's the thing. I hope you and he say could that. be. Yeah. Luke Fickle and this new regime, they don't care if you were here before. In my opinion, you should go into this season saying, we're going to try and get all the talent we can. If we have four... Say, say somehow they pull Nick Evers... They get Cole LaCrue. Mm. You have uh, <clears throat> Miles Burkett, committed, right? and maybe another quarterback signs on, and you have four quarterbacks. Here's the thing, boys. This is sink or swim. Compete. Yeah. Throw them in the deep end and compete. Something Graham Mertz never had to do. Yeah, something we haven't seen. When's the last time we saw quarterbacks compete? Bart Houston and Joel Stave. That's what I'm saying. Like You can go back right? to... Yeah. You can go back to 2020 and say, oh, well, Graham Mertz. No, no, Jack Cohn was still supposed to be the starter in 2020 until he, what, he broke his foot? Yeah. In 2019, Cone as much as people thought that it was going to be Graham Mertz versus Jack Cohn, all of yeah. the reports from all of the beat writers that were at practice the entire summer Cone were saying, this isn't a competition. <laughs> Cone is better. Cone is the starter. When's the last time we really had a bunch of real competition? I think you're right. It's like the Bart Houston, Joel Stave, totally. maybe throw in McAvoy. Like, it's been a while. And listen, this crop you might have coming in right now of competition, and no offense to my man, the all-time winningest, and I'm a Stave soldier, but I would take these guys coming in over... Okay, stop it. Well, that's the other thing. A lot no of these guys, when we're talking no about stop it. when we're you, talking about uh, Nick Evers being a Great four hair. star, Hudson Card really being not. a four star, <laughs> Armstrong being a highly touted kid, Cole LaCrue, a good a, a high three star. You're, you're talking about outside of Bart Houston, most of those guys that you're talking about that have been in the mix for the last time where we actually had quarterback competitions here, which was like six, seven, eight years ago. All of those guys were like average three-star quarterbacks <laughs> yeah. outside of Bart Houston. So here, I want to play this from Fickle. Again, and Paul Christ, beautiful mind, right? Uh, great guy when it comes to, you know, the offense just obviously ended bad. He just didn't speak well on the podium. Well, uh, we can all be honest with that. It's, it was tough. Jim Leonard, he said a little more. But listen to Luke Fickle. This is what Luke Fickle wants in a quarterback. I'll, I'll play it before we get to the Razor's edge. Here's what Luke Fickle says he wants in a quarterback. Leader, winner. And I think that they come in all different shapes and sizes. But if you don't find a leader and you don't find a winner, I don't care how accurate they are. I don't care how big they are. I don't care how fast they are. Obviously, we all have the things that we are looking for. You know, I've always wanted a guy that can move. You know, it doesn't mean he's got to be a running quarterback. But if you can't extend things, you can't make things happen um, with your athleticism, I think it limits you. A leader and a winner. And you think about some of the quarterbacks yeah. that Ohio State have had Could've in the it. time Hell in yeah. which uh, Luke Fickle yeah. would have been with the program, or even some of the quarterbacks that uh, Cincinnati has had. I would say that he has had a mix of what he had just said there. You have the uh, 
Terrell Pryors, you had the JT Barrett's and the Braxton Miller type players Mm -hmm. that were clearly run first past second quarterbacks. But then if you turn around and look at some of the early days when he was at Ohio State, the Troy Smith who won a Heisman or Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati, those were guys that were pass first but have the ability to run. Right. And there's a difference there. Mm-hmm. Like Patrick Mahomes is a pass first, but has the ability to run. Yeah. Lamar Jackson is a run first, pass second. Well, what about Justin Fields? Both I was told work, by though. Both work in their he's offense. a run first quarterback. He's a run court, running quarterback. <laughs> Inside joke. Leader, winner. That's what I'm talking a about. A lot of Ohio State quarterbacks end up being run court, running quarterbacks that can throw. Are you trolling me right now? No, not you. <laughs> no, not you. Um, did did we talk about the tight end you committed? No, we're gonna. We're, oh, sorry, sorry. Leader winner. Thank you, thank you, Fickle. Can you just chop that? Let's just a make leader. that a. Let's make that a drop from now. Hey, on. Well, hey, what leader, are you looking winner. for? The quarterback. Leader winner. Hell yeah! The only better way to have described that would have been leader legend. I think leader we need winner. Two different, two different ones. Just the initial one where we get that as a drop, this? and then leader just, winner. Yep, and then just the winner. And I think that they come in all different shapes and sizes. Oh, he's not body shaming anyone, by the way. Just winner. <laughs> He'll take anybody. Just yeah. winner. So then whenever Ben Kenny starts coming up with something or, or Grant Bills comes up with some crazy take, like I'd rather see the Brewers lose the World Series and the Packers win the Super see, Bowl, I'd rather we see just a, drop Luke Fickle saying winner. But if winner. you don't find a leader and you don't find a winner, I don't care how accurate they are. I don't. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. A winner. I love it. Paul, and no offense to our guy, Paul Chris, but Paul Chris, what about this? Like, who do you look for a quarterback? We we were looking for a guy who appreciates the opportunity to wear the W for Wisconsin. He also says accuracy. That's a big one. Leader, winner. Hell yeah. A leader, a winner. Who you, RJ? So, RJ, Ebo. Yes, Rowdy. This recruiting class before anybody had committed in the last week to the new Luke Fickle-led Wisconsin Badgers was ranked 87th in the country, and yep. it had just eight players. Let's see where it's at now. Let's see where it's at in two months after the Super Bowl. Well, yesterday it was at Let's 69. Where, nice. It's now at overall 67 composite, so taking in all the recruiting, 66. Oh, so we're, we're moving up every day. Yep. Let's see where it's at after the Super Bowl when we come back on Monday. Right, speaking of parents, um, the Miles Burkett is dad. This is kind of like Jack Cohn dad vibes on Twitter, like so. No, way way bigger social media presence. Um, uh, was it Steve? What the hell is Jack Cohn's dad's name? Miles Burkett's dad. I feel dad like is Jack Cohn's dad is just like a get in, get out type yeah. guy. Like he'd just pop a tweet off and then and then just like, sit back and watch yeah. it all unfold, or like. Miles Burkett's dad is out there tweeting quite a bit. Or tweeting like his experience at TJ Maxx where he found a coat on a hanger and somebody came and asked him why he was wearing his coat. Oh, yeah. And I saw that from a, know, a viral but, tweet but like, like a, two days before still, that. Like, but he passed it off as his own, which is funny to me. He's still, you know, making his social media. Oh, yeah, he's out known. there. All right. So he had tweeted out, uh, let's see here, yesterday at 1044 a.m. Quote, I hear a lot of talk about hitting the portal and bringing in guys left and right. Remember, our team still has a bunch of talented, proud, and hungry guys who feel like they are a part of the solution for this team. Let's not be so quick to write them off. Hashtag Badger family. I mean, and I don't think anyone's writing off the Miles Burkett's or some of the other players that are, you know, maybe in the same situation that he is. 
I think as Badger fans, we are liking the fact that they're bringing in more highly touted recruits. And we just want to see the best person on the field. Yeah. Like compete. We want to see people compete. It's a new team. It's a new coach. It's a new offensive and defensive staff. Come in, earn your job. If that happens to be Miles Burkett at the end of the day and the Badgers are getting ready for Buffalo in early September next year, then so be it. But I want to see as much talent brought into this university and this football team as possible. And whoever rises to the top, that's your, spot. Yep. That's your spot. The cream rises to the top. So Luke Fickle on the podium yesterday, he was talking about this, saying they're not going to use the transfer portal to build the team. Everybody would say, well, what about the transfer portal? I, I'm going to be honest with you. That's not the way we want to continue to build our program. That's not the vision that I have. I don't think that's the vision for what this place is and, and, and should be, meaning that you take high school kids, you develop them over a four or five-year period, and you get amazing results. Now, we all understand that there are some situations where you've got to fill the gaps, and that's, to me, what it would be as a transfer. Yeah, and, I mean, you look at what Michigan State's doing right now. Their past two years have been transfer portal for the most part. One year, you hit, and you got Kenneth Walker the third. The next year, the next guys year, with helmets in the tunnel in Michigan. Yeah, the next year, like, <laughs> That's assault, I, I, didn't pay, I didn't pay close enough attention to know who on that team was a transfer in outside of Jalen Berger, but that transfer didn't work out as well as Kenneth Walker the third. And, I mean, granted, you had a whole bunch of injuries, too. But, I mean, their reliance on the transfer portal isn't good. Well, I think if you look at the transfer portal, if you're a new coach coming to a job, and especially if you're a guy like Luke Fickle that has has some history of being an Ohio State guy, yep. being a Cincinnati head coach that has been really good, took a team to a, a playoff, if you are moving to a Wisconsin type team where you have fallout with some players that are like, well, my coach is gone. I want to get in the portal. Mm -hmm. I think that first year recruiting the portal and getting guys that want to be here that are, that are higher touted players than what maybe you have with a lot of the players leaving. It's, it's easy to do the portal year one. Then you, and at the same time you are continuing to recruit your ass off the entire time, mm-hmm. but it's easy year one to go into the portal and grab players and kind of get your base set for you for your first year. And then you're kind of off and running where it's like, okay, we're only going to look at the transfer portal here and there for certain players that fit our, our style yeah. or else we're going to be recruiting most of the time. And you know what? I think uh, staying, staying close to home here, which is a good example of this, of how, uh, going back and forth on the transfer portal consistently is not not a great thing. But uh, look no further than Wisconsin wrestling. Wisconsin wrestling was an absolute juggernaut the first year of the transfer portal yeah. where they grabbed like three, four guys that were legit like all-American type guys, mm-hmm. and they came in and were super good. And then haven't been able to recruit the best since then. And the transfer portals really, for the most part has not worked. Right. No. And the programs yeah. nowhere well, where it was with all of those guys, they grabbed right away. And in hey, speaking with Luke fickle there, it's something Barry Alvarez did when he got here. Like he, like, I don't know what was said in that meeting. Uh, and it was kind of a different style of meeting Luke fickle coming in than when Barry Alvarez came in. But like Barry Alvarez talks about it where he's like, I asked, 
I raised, I told people to raise your hand if you think we're going to win the Big Ten this year. Did you I raise like, your hand? Some of the people who were in that raised their hand, and he told them to get out. Because he's like, we don't have the talent to win the Big Ten right now. Like, you're not a part of this team. He's like, huh, trick question, got you. Yeah. And <laughs> They're like, yeah, I want to win. Aha, you're done. But, like, he he forced some people out. He went to uh, at JUCO, brought some kids in, got some transfers in that, you know, had to sit out the year. But, like, he built that with some quick fix type stuff and then brought got more recruiting. Yeah, your first and, and year. that's what this can be. Your first year, I think it's actually beneficial to yep. go to the portal because you're getting players that may better fit your system than the ones that are at the current school that were already there that were running a different system mm-hmm. and could be more talented players. Yep. So I think it makes sense. But once you build that, once you build that base yeah. and you have a year and you continue to recruit, it's got to be more of your guys because you're not going to want to be juggling 20 different players totally. from a transfer portal every single year. Right. So Fickle also talked about this. He says they're not just going to fill up the recruiting class just to have a bunch of bodies either. Here's his uh, comment. But there is a balance. There's a balance of guys that we knew a lot about, whether they were committed to us in the past or guys that you know we were recruiting that maybe we didn't have an opportunity to get just based on where we were. Um, but what's not just hastily to say, let's, we got to fill up this class. We got to get 20 or 22 players to sign so we can bring them in. I think that we got to be really smart with what we're doing. We've got to take the ones that we know are going to be a good fit. And, and that makes me think, and he, he didn't say a class, he said this class. So that makes me think, this is year one. We're going to fill the class with the guys we have a good knowledge of. And yeah, this year is probably going to be a little bit heavier on the transfer portal. Yeah. And that's what, like specifically saying this class. He's not saying we're not going to fill a class with bodies. Well, the it's transfer portal is just heavy everywhere. Right. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I think this year we might see a little bit more of. Well, you're in of, an advantageous spot to do so using right. the portal because when you think about it, not every kid you recruited to Cincinnati is going to follow you to Madison. Not every kid that was at Madison is going to stay in Madison. And not every kid that was recruited by Madison is going to come to Madison now with all the changes. So you got to fill the different spots with transfer portals or else your recruiting class, if you need, say, 20 guys, might only be like 10 guys if you yeah. didn't use the portal. Right. And speaking of uh, guys, how about this? We'll, we'll do this quick before break. Wisconsin dipped into Washington for its latest recruit of 2023. Yeah. Three-star tight end Tucker Ashcraft, who was committed to Colorado. They hired, obviously, Prime, DM Sanders. And now decommitted. He's coming to Madison. Yeah. And, I'm, I mean, that could be one where it didn't come out and flat say it. But Six I'm, foot I'm guessing five. he was getting unrecruited. There. Six foot five, 235 pounds. The number 65 tight end of the 20, 20th best player in the state of Washington. I mean, why wouldn't you want to go to a school where a guy who has or he's coming from a school that has a good reputation of developing tight ends and visited and even since he's been there i mean visited madison uh, this past weekend received a scholarship and said i'm in prime see ya fickle let's go (laughs) fickle ball what do you guys think pickle ball the new craze or fickle ball the new craze worst brewers fan uh, tweet me Fickleball, the new craze sweeping Madison. Want to be Wisconsin? Want to be Longo Ball? Fickleball, long fickle go Longo and Fickleball. 
There you go. There it is. Or anything, Rowdy? Said Deion Sanders said he's bringing Louis Vuitton with him. Uh, this guy must have been Gucci. So he came. Uh, <laughs> I think he's probably and... closer to more Carhartt. I was say he's more Carhartt. <laughs> <laughs> he might be Kirkland brand if he's coming from Seattle. <laughs> mm, what do they got? Kirkland. Uh, so there you go. Wisconsin, another recruit for 2023. Three star tight end. We were just talking about tight ends uh, the other day, wondering what was going to happen with it. And here that you one. go. Uh, this, this is a big boy. Yeah, I mean, put some weight on him uh, to get to that Big Ten kind of size. Uh, well, like, I mean, just hey. an offer from Michigan State, Washington State, and Air Force. Yeah, <laughs> he'd he'd stick out like a sore thumb at Air Force. Yeah, they got they got. Yeah, you know what his pilot name would be? Too tall. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I feel like that's a that's a kid who at Air Force. Uh, they're like, hey, come on in as a tight end. We're going to turn you into a tackle. I was just seeing that from, uh, I saw a meme uh, over the weekend. Some guy was recruited as a tight end, and he put on like 80 pounds, and now he's a lineman. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's happened yeah. before. We were just talking about it a little bit ago <laughs> with, uh, with the, uh, the playoff scenario. Who's more likely to collapse then? Um, we'll say the Packers win out. We'll just go with that. I mean, well, what's the biggest game for you? Is it the, the, is it the Vikings, second to last game, or is it the Dolphins on Christmas? I think it's the Dolphins because, in, in my mind, for the Green Bay Packers, the biggest game for the Packers is whatever game they're playing that current week. Yeah. Now, I am personally kind of looking ahead past the Rams because I feel like this is a team that the Packers have to beat. This is a team that the Packers should beat. Mm-hmm. This is a game in which the Packers should look good against the Rams. And then all of a sudden I feel like the season, the rest of the season is right in front of you. That's I'll go with the Dolphins. The Dolphins is the one that I'm looking at because I think that is the first real game on this quote unquote run the table of four games that you could lose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at this Rams team. They have so many injuries and guys that have shut it down. Or how about Baker you Mayfield's could lose or you should lose? Yeah. All right, could lose. All right, Packers. Who could they lose to? The, I mean, obviously, could lose anyone, but could they? Should they lose to the Rams? No, 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 no. Could lose. Should lose. All the rest of the games, they could lose. Like we're talking about the Green Bay Packers. If they run the table, they'll be in the playoffs. They'll most likely be in the playoffs. Yeah. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they go one and three. Dolphins could lose <laughs> or should lose. Could, should it's all the rest of them could. Well, I mean, the Vikings is the second to last game. You think they're going to pack it in a little bit um, one week before? I mean, right now the Vikings the are only over. two games behind the Eagles, and and the Eagles have to play the Cowboys next week. Yeah, and if they just have one more slip up in the last four weeks, the Vikings and Cowboys are going to be licking their lips. And then at the end of the, I mean, you got the Vikings and the Lions at the end of the year. The Lions are. Lions are playing for the playoffs too. They're in it. Like they're not bad. I mean, they're second in the freaking NFC North. They're not bad, believe it or not. They're six and seven. Yeah. I feel like the best case scenario for the green Bay Packers, they finish this season four and oh, and obviously make the postseason. Yeah. Worst case scenario. They finish this season one and three, yeah. but that's a, that's a huge, that's a huge spread four and oh to one and three. Yeah. But also to that same point, say they do finish one and three. Clearly, they're going to be around a top ten pick, and they would have gotten swept by the Minnesota Vikings mm. and swept by the Detroit Lions. 
But swept the Chicago Bears, so at least we would have that. <laughs> yikes. That is a big yikes, bud. All right, so Packers, you know, win out. Let's say they do. The Giants have to lose three or four, or the Commanders have to lose three or four, plus the Seattle Seahawks losing two or four. <clears throat> the best team out of all those is, is the Commanders, right? Like, the Commanders are the team that have the... I think the Commanders are the best team that is ahead of the Green Bay Packers with the combination of having the best team with the best talent and the easiest schedule. Yeah. I actually think the second easiest schedule is the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions, I mean, they played the Jets this week, but the Jets, Mike White, their quarterback, yeah, he's all banged up. He had two broken ribs, they suspect, and Didn't some other rib damage. And this is Oregon damage, too? Now, that that all checked out, but they're still expecting him to start. But you got to imagine he's going to be pretty limited, and he isn't going to be feeling that great. And then the backup, it seems like they're continuing to go with Joe Flacco, <laughs> and obviously Wilson is their third stringer at this point. He hasn't even been suiting up no. since uh, Mike White took his job. But, yeah, the Jets are still playing for a playoff spot. Yep. They're right on the playoff then fringe. The Panthers after that. and The Panthers, Panthers are- aren't that great. Then the Bears. Bears aren't that great. Then the Lions. Or, I'm sorry, the, the Packers. Packers. Excuse me. Right now, you would say the Packers aren't. If you're a Lions fan, you're saying the Packers aren't that great. Yeah, totally. You're, if you're the Lions fan, you're looking at your you, chops. Would like, you be surprised if the Lions went 3-1, and 4-0? Oh? I mean, no. they're all, I would say, I would say they're all winnable games for the Lions. I mean, if if I'm a Lions fan, I'm looking at this, could lose, should lose. I mean, the only one that you, sh- I, I don't think it should. You could maybe because it's on the road, the Jets. I think, if, but they have a lot of question marks. At quarterback if Mike there, so. White was a hundred percent healthy, like he was going into the Buffalo game, I really like the Jets in that game. I actually still kind of like the Jets in that game for like a legit bet. Yeah, I know we took the under in that game, but I would still probably take the Jets on the the spread as well. <laughs> but outside of that, I mean, you could see the Lions reeling off three wins. Totally. Uh, right now, according to five thirty-eight. No, I mean they're not. I hate. I hate the Giants. I always. I thought they were frauds when the Packers played them in London. Saquon Barkley played last week, but he's got a bad neck. Their offensive line is getting banged up. Their receiving core is banged up, traded away, or just awful. Mm-hmm. Their defense is very average. I, I. I think that's a team that continues to fade. And the Seahawks. It looks like. Uh, Early in the season, they were kind of uh, playing on borrowed time. Yeah. Whereas, like Geno Smith was playing out of his mind, the the offense all of a sudden could run the football like crazy. He well, was balling. they are now having cluster injuries on the running at the running back position. They had like their top three running backs were all out last week. Yeah. I mean, cr- I, I was picking up and playing in fantasy Travis Homer. <laughs> And Homie? and Geno Smith, he's coming back to earth. He's looking more like the Geno Smith we know and love from 2021 and earlier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So those those the Giants and the Seahawks to me are the two teams clearly in front of the Packers that are going to fade. It's the Commanders and Lions that feel like the the real threats. But if Green Bay wins out, the Lions don't matter because yeah, they take care of business. They take care of business against the Lions. Lions doesn't matter what they do. Right now, the Lions have a 20% chance of making the playoffs, according to 538. The Packers sit at 6%. Now, this is without anything uh, happening moving forward. Lions still have an, a chance of winning the division. But that would have the uh, them winning out and the Vikings losing out. We'll go through some scenarios coming up.
Our guy Mike Jock's going to join us. 835. I'm just and thinking about this. And Matt LaFleur, in the last couple years, hasn't had a ton of success against the Lions. He has not. Like, they lost the last game of the season in which, eh, they weren't trying to win. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on that one. Because that was when Aaron Rodgers and the starters looked really good in the first half. And then it was Jordan Love who looked really bad in the second half. Yeah. But remember, was it the season before where they beat the Lions twice, but actually led for like no seconds, but they had two game winning field goals at the end? <laughs> no time. It's, on been the some, it's been some tough games the last couple of years against the Lions. The Lions. God. I think that was 2021 where they had the two uh, yeah. last second game winning yeah. field goals by Mason Crosby, but they really were getting beat the entirety of both games. Then I can't help but bring up the Motown miracle of Dick Rogers catching that you know touchdown pass from Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, obviously, the thing about that though, we were talking about the West Ave Taco Bell, and we were talking about <laughs> the steal a base, steal a taco with Lorenzo Cain. Yeah, that's right around in the same time frame. Yeah, T- same time frame, same timeline. That's 2015, 2016. But believe it or not, Rowdy, if the Packers do go eight and nine, there's still a one or two percent chance that they can make the playoffs. Crunching some numbers, but forty-four percent chance if they finish nine and eight. Well, they one hundred percent if they go eight and nine and have that very minute shot at making it to the playoffs. They one hundred percent would still have to win probably the Detroit game. Yes, because that's yes. one of the that's one of the head-to-heads in front of you that you can control. Yes. Uh, so let's see here: Rams, Dolphins, Vikings. Yep, if you uh, so on 538, uh, if you Rams, Dolphins, Vikings, it goes to 36%. So your clincher obviously is the Detroit Lions game uh, at the end of the year. So um Packers just got to handle business. Christmas miracle on uh on Christ- Christmas obviously in Miami, but Packers do get a boost for the first time in some time. Romeo Dobbs, the Packers rookie wide receiver expected to return to the field Monday night against the Rams. Now, they've been without, what, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Christian Watson, Sammy Watkins, Romeo Dobbs. They've all been, Sammy Watkins even, like, there, though. Uh, You look at this, the Packers have not had their full complement of wide receivers for, God, what, week one, week two? Feels like the entire season. Yeah, they finally will maybe all come together here, knock on wood. But his return, exciting for everyone, Dobbs and uh, Christian Watson. Could you imagine we finally get them as healthy as one can be out on the field together at the same time? How many touchdowns has Christian Watson scored in the month of freaking November into December 8th? Whatever it was, the dude's absolutely bawling. Uh, but Romeo, this is, this is my Christian Watson thoughts of how the season has went. First game against Minnesota, dropped that huge bomb. Felt like a huge gut punch at the time. Mm-hmm. Christian Watson... Out with different injuries, especially uh, the hamstring injury. Christian Watson, all of a sudden, back around Halloween time, catches every single touchdown pass that <laughs> Rodgers throws. That's, you, that's my summary of his season so far. Well, he's got nine touchdowns right now. I mean, Christian Watson, abs- in the month of November, what, he had eight? Dude is absolutely on a tear. He has had more touchdowns than some of the big names, household names around the NFL. 
So, uh, you know, talk about a game changer right now. And we, we were talking about this, Rowdy, when they drafted him. We were like, all right, this guy's going to be a late bloomer probably. You'll see Romeo Dobbs step up first, and then Christian Watson maybe, you know, in the future. Well, it took a little bit, but Watson, my God, he, the dude is fast as all hell. He's a scorcher, a burner. And then you get Romeo Dobbs back. That's that's going to be nice for the Green Bay Packers, obviously. That's, you know, the obvious statement right there. So Dobbs, uh, since he went down against Detroit uh, before that, 15 catches, 313 yards. And uh, or Watson, excuse me, since Dobbs went down, 15 catches, 313 yards, and seven touchdowns. Also added a rushing touchdown against uh, the Bears. You know, Romeo Dobbs, we were liking him a lot to start the season. Well, he we? was the one that was turning heads at, uh, you know, the beginning of camp. He was the one that everyone's like, hey, every single day this makes a, this guy makes a play, and they're like, oh, wow. And, I mean, he continued to be the young receiver in preseason. Now, remember, Christian Watson went through and got his knee cleaned out, so he didn't really play in preseason. Mm-hmm. He was the guy in preseason out of all of those young inexperienced wide receivers that continued to make plays or had flashes. And then same thing at the beginning of the year when Christian Watson was outside of that first game where he had the bad hamstring and you had a, you know, is Sammy Watkins in or out? Is Randall Cobb in or out? (laughs) Like it was Romeo Dobbs. Now, finally you have Christian Watson healthy. It looks like he's figured it out. And I'll, I'll give him this. I thought it would take an entire year for Christian Watson to kind of figure it out. I thought we would see kind of flashes here mm-hmm. where it'd be like big time drop, really explosive play, couple drops, kind of what the F's he actually has picked it up and has played way better. And totally. it has grown leaps and bounds in a shorter number of games than I think anyone ever thought. Yeah. So having him back to being healthy and getting Romeo Dobbs back, I mean, Things are looking it's up. going to be exciting to see what they can do, not even for this year, but for just the future in general. Yeah. Because this, these are going to be two guys that are going to be playing with each other uh, for the foreseeable future and for hopefully the next three seasons after this year. With Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. Hell yeah. Yep, Romeo Dobbs back. Let us rejoice. Let us celebrate. Christian Watson continues to be uh, on a tear. And the Packers, all you got to do is win. And see what happens. Yeah. No, I'm just I'm just thinking about the offense moving forward for the next few years. I mean, clearly you're going to have Romeo Dobbs. You're going to have a Christian Watson. Uh, you're going to have A.J. Dillon for another year or two. Same thing with Aaron Jones, unless you want to cut him for salary issue salary cap reasons Mm -hmm. but then you look at the rest of the room and it's like okay well Samari Toure will probably stay on because he's shown some flashes as a rookie he was a seventh round pick he's cheap but outside of that it's like what receivers are coming back because there probably won't be many Alan Lazard he's he's probably going to test the market Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb probably don't need them back Jawan Winfrey You don't need him back. And then you look at the tight end room. What the hell is the tight end room going to look like? Mercedes Lewis has been on a one-year deal. It feels like the last few seasons. He's only getting closer to 40. Rob Tunyon, Big Bobby T, he is going to probably test the market, or at least he should. Yeah. And then it's like, what, you have Josiah Aguara coming back? Tyler Davis? No. Like, it only gets worse from there. Goody's got his work cut out for him. Work cut out for him. But then you look on the defensive side of the ball, and 
They're going to need help on the defensive line, and especially if Wyatt can't play. Uh, they're going to probably need help at the safety position because you might lose both your safeties. Second and ten. Mayfield to the end zone to Jefferson. Is that possible? Touchdown. This is impossible. They go 98 yards. Unbelievable. Want to be able to recognize special coach real quick. All right, was with the Raiders. Now he's with us. Where's Greg Olson, man? and help lead us to a victory. See you guys on Monday. Thank you, thank you. Wow. Baker Mayfield, just two days removed of finding a new home in Los Angeles, leads them a game-winning drive, 90-plus yards, and now it looks like he's going to be starting this coming Monday at Lambeau Field against the Green Bay Packers. This guy right here, oh, he's got a home on the zone, our guy Mike Clemens. Morning, Mike. I'll tell you, man, Evo, momentum, emotion, that that's it's important in the NFL, isn't it? Every every. Every dang time you see that, and you see Baker Mayfield get through that game. You know he's getting uh, he's getting getting coached up on. All right, here's what our cadence is on third and one. You know, so the offensive line doesn't jump off sides. And he's learning plays series by series in the game. He only got about 20 snaps in practice the day before that Thursday night football game, where they beat the Raiders 17 to 16. And Josh McDaniel, I mean. What's what's the deal with that guy, right? <laughs> I don't know. He stinks. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's no my, good, Mike. My God. So you know that stuff looks kind of scary. And then this John Wolford uh, is that was that number thirteen. He's got a neck injury. He's not going to play Monday night. So Baker Mayfield will start according to what the Rams said yesterday, Monday night at Lambeau Field, where it's going to be really cold on Monday night against the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, um, I'm, this bye week, Mike. I've been feeling like I'm kind of like floating around in the wind, not knowing what to do or what to, you know, what to think. How's Mike Clemens been on a bye week? I, you know, I, I spend a lot. Like I said last time we talked, I spent a lot of it actually looking at the last four or five games mm. and trying to figure out what are some of the things that you know that, why this team isn't like eight and four, nine and four, something like that, instead of this five and eight and. And you know, hanging by a fingernail on a chance to get in. Uh, Rogers uh, apparently went out to L.A. Malibu. You know, it's got the big twenty-eight million dollar house there. Mm. Uh, but he he was on McAfee yesterday, and then he's going to talk to us at the locker room tomorrow. The the whole schedule. That's why I'm on the day with you. Has shifted over a day, and that usually happens on a Monday night football uh, night. But also coming out of the bye as well, just gave all the guys one extra day. So. They they showed up on the field yesterday, and uh, then uh, Rogers hopped on and did his uh, hit for uh, Pat McAfee, and he was talking about yeah he watched some of that Rams Raiders game and truly what Baker Mayfield did coming in with one day's practice was unique. I think you got to look at that game as an outlier uh, for the fact that Baker played, uh, the fact that they had to score twice in the fourth quarter to win. They went on a, what, a 90-some-year drive to win the game. Yeah. 
pretty impressive. I mean, you gotta you gotta give him credit and Sean for making that work. And but when it comes down to it, you look at the last play, and I just that's honestly the only play I saw was the highlight. Uh, Raiders played uh, man coverage and dropped a weak side safety, and he threw a go around the backside. Like a go around is a go around in the NFL. So Rogers keeping a little tabs on it, but trying to probably keep a little, you know, mental headspace on the bye week, Mike. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it was last Christmas Baker Mayfield was at Lambeau Field coming off of COVID, I do believe, and he could not will the Browns to a victory. No, and he threw a couple of picks too. I think Rasul got two in that game, wasn't it? Yeah. You know? So, um, you know, Baker had an interesting thing to say, though. I mean, he went through so much turnover in his time with Cleveland, and then even with the Carolina Panthers that that almost kind of trained him to be exposed to all different kinds of terminologies <laughs> and concepts and stuff so that he could just jump into another one. And, you know, do you know the story about him and McVeigh riding on an airline together to the Combine? Tell me um, more. Yeah. Um, so it's 2018, and it's that class of quarterback. You know, he wins the Heisman, but Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen and, and then some big, tall kid is – about six foot five and could throw the ball seventy five yards flat footed, named Josh Allen that everybody was overlooking, that we got to cover all in one day at the combine. And when you when you talked to Josh Allen, you thought, this is the kid who's going to be the leader. I mean, you know, give him a while to get become a more accurate passer, but he's got the arm and the just the guy you want to hang with skills of, of a young Brett Favre, no question about it. Those other guys are a little bit too arrogant, or Sam Darnold didn't actually look like, you know, he quite had the, his plug pulled in, yeah. plugged in, wasn't really quite connected. <laughs> so um, Baker Mayfield goes out and works out in L.A. before the Combine, where all these other guys work out, like Aaron Rodgers and Clay Matthews used to go and Bakhtiari, and, and so he does his workout. And Sean McVay, now he's got to wrap up his stuff. He had just lost the Super Bowl, but they had Jared Goff, and they figured they were going to move on. And he gets onto a, just a Southwest Airlines flight from LAX to Indianapolis for the Combine. And, a, you know, million to one, he's sitting next to, in first class, Baker Mayfield. Huh. So, you know, McVay said, you know, at first, I just, you know, the guy had just been through all this stuff and Heisman and everything. So I just, I just chilled for about a half hour, just let things settle in. But then at some point, I turned to him and said, hey, you know, let's talk some football. Well, they talked, you know, it was a three-hour flight. They yeah. talked football the whole way. And so McVeigh was actually able, able to pick that guy's brain, you know, back in 2018, found out that the, there's a lot of things he thought that they had in common and all that. So that, that helped the situation when, when Baker Mayfield said, I want out of Panthers and he got waived, and the Rams picked him up, and, you know, he had the, the night that he had. That's the second time that Sean McVay has done that. Remember the story where he was in the Caribbean and just happened to have a cocktail with Matthew Stafford? <laughs> yeah, right? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, right place, right practice. time. Right place, right time. Uh, huh? Right place, right time, Mike, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wish my timing was that good. Um, yesterday, very light practice, just to kind of, you know, work the kinks out, get, get off the rust. Um, and the only guy, Darnell Savage, is back out there at safety. He had a foot injury. Uh, Kingsley Enigbari, who's really replaced uh, Rashawn Gary at outside linebacker, I saw him with a leg injury at the end of the Bears game. Now, I didn't see him in the locker room, but he was out on the field, so that's a good sign that he's going to be okay for Monday night. We don't get an injury report until sometime tomorrow night. Uh, but, you know, the only guy missing is David Bakhtiari. And, of course, he's still recovering from surgery 
from the appendectomy. And I don't know how long that's going to be. But it looks like it'll be the rookie, Zach Tom, starting again, who played for him against the Bears and has played left tackle earlier times this year when Bakhtiari's knee uh, acted up. But they seem to be, you know, satisfied with what he's doing. And then the only other question is, you know, is talking to Aaron Rodgers about uh, how, how was his bye week, how, how are the ribs, how's the, the fractured thumb? Thumb is doing a lot better. It's, uh, you know, it's, it was nice to have that week off. The ribs are, are doing better, too. I, I was able to finally start getting some sleep. Yeah, yeah, but my body's feeling a lot better. I, you know, I felt, look, nobody wants a week 14 bye. Nobody does. But it always feels good coming back after the bye, whether you're 21 or whatever the hell old I am now. It's it's nice to get that week off. You know, went to the beach, worked on my tan, and, uh, you know, wore a lot of tank tops. Yeah, showed off my belly button a little bit and had a good time. Sounds nice. Hey, Mike, do you think Matt LaFleur regrets not taking the bye right after the London game? He pretty much admitted so yeah. last month. Yeah. You know, that um, – I think he he thought that he had a playoff team for sure, and so he wouldn't have them as rested up as possible. Coming off of the experience he had last year, we had four or five guys all banged up, and they were you know fighting to to get in there to play against the Forty ers But um, you know who knew they were going to lose to teams like the Commanders and the Jets and the Giants, were, which are teams that obviously improved. There's a whole bunch of five hundred teams out there. So so you guys. So a national writer posted a story the other day, and the Wisconsin State Journal uh, has got a, a, a nice story today. Again, pretty much all about Aaron Rodgers and just him talk, talking about you know his career and and how the season's gone. And you know he's very in depth and everything. And I'm starting to read you know like fans' comments, and it's like, like three out of four comments are like, "We're sick of this guy." We're sick of this guy. Let's see what Jordan Love's got. I mean, do you get that from your listener calls, or they're just sick and tired of Aaron Rodgers? Well, yeah, we get some calling in saying that they want to see what Jordan Love has. Um, if they think Rodgers is going to do bad, uh, you know, Rodgers is doing bad because of this roster. I don't know what they expect Jordan Love to do, but yeah, we get some people. It's about what do you say, Rowdy? Half, half, sixty, forty. Yeah, I'd say probably fifty, fifty, fifty. Yeah, Rodgers Love. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, you kind of get the sense also that if Rodgers is back one more year. Maybe two. It's like, is this guy ever really going to get you to a Super Bowl, or are they going to be able to reconstruct a, a team that could knock on the door like a Super Bowl, like the first two or three years when the floor is here? Because right now they are in a bit of a, a kind of a rebuild, and the way the defense is played, there's going to be some new faces over there, certainly with defensive coordinator. But it's just here's an interesting thing about Jordan Love. Ten years ago at this time, he's a 14 year old kid in Bakersfield, California, which is out east, away from L.A., beautiful little town. And his dad, Oren, is a uh, sergeant for the police department there, 23 years' experience. And Oren is a big guy. He's uh, you know, a guy who put on barbecues, was community-involved, a, a sergeant in the police department. He looked like he could play defensive vend or something, or defensive tackle. And he wanted to play football. He wanted to be a quarterback, but they always put him on the line. So now he's got this son, Jordan, and he was hoping that someday Jordan could be a quarterback. Well, Orange started having heart problems. And so then the doctors gave him a medication. You know those pills that say, 
If you have any thoughts of suicide, contact your physician immediately. Yeah, like everyone they put out on TV, yeah. Yeah. Well, his wife started noticing that this sergeant of police and community leader was acting strange and doing weird stuff, like getting lost in the neighborhood with the car and, and, and doing strange stuff around the house and fiddling and fidgeting and pacing. And, and so she took his service revolver and put it in a lockbox and locked it up, not knowing he had a second key. And on a Saturday morning, there's Jordan, age 14, trying to get on the football team, playing basketball on a Saturday morning like freshman. And Jordan, usually his dad would take him to the games. His dad dropped him off and pulled up on the sidewalk of the high school, which was weird, mm-hmm. and said, uh, yeah, I'll see you after the game. Oh, okay. So uh, Jordan played in the game, and when he got done, he came out outside the gym, and n- none of his family had watched the game. His aunt was there, picked him up. She took him to the driveway of her house and said, what are we doing here? And she turns and tells him, your father killed himself about an hour ago. Man. And the, and the edge of their bed in the master room got out that gun from the lockbox from the garage and took his own life Jeez. because of the medication. So Brutal. that's where Jordan Love comes from. He's 14, now without this father that he just dearly loved, who was his mentor. And I got the, a chance to talk to him about Chris Barnes, the inside linebacker, undrafted kid out of UCLA, who's been injured but has played really good at times, uh, an inside linebacker, before they finally got Devondre Campbell and then they drafted Quay Walker. Chris Barnes is his best friend and here with the Packers. And I talked to Jordan about that journey. Yeah, uh, so freshman year high school, I was 5'6", 175 pounds. Um, and then, or not even 175 pounds, I was like 130 pounds. But then, uh, yeah, I hit a growth spurt. Um, was like... I think to my junior year, I was 6'2". That's when I really got to 6'2". But, no, I, freshman year, I was the backup quarterback. My sophomore year, um, I played quarterback. And then going to my junior year, that's when, um, you know, there's an older guy in front of me who won the job. And then after two games in the season, he wasn't getting the job done. They put me in and just never looked back after that. So, Did you play defense? My freshman year, I did. And then after that, I kind of shut it down. I was playing quarterback. and Yeah, but, you know, when I was backup, I was trying to, you know, do whatever I can to get on the field. So, Was there a sense junior year or senior year like I'm doing this for college I'm doing this for scouts probably not until after my junior season when uh, I was like okay football because before that I was backups you know I was thinking big basketball different things but I didn't really think much of football um, then after my junior season, you know, I had a good year. And then, you know, offers, schools started coming to talk to me. And I was like, okay, football is going to be what takes me to college. So. Was Chris Barnes a linebacker? Yeah, he was a linebacker mm-hmm. at the same high school. And uh, obviously Chris was, you know, doing his thing. He was a lot better. He had a lot of looks, a lot of offers in high school. Uh, so we all knew Chris, is, he's going D1, doing his thing. But uh, And you guys did well, right? Yeah, we did well. We had a really good team in high school. Um, went to Valley Championship, Went to ended up going to state championship our senior year and lost. But we had a good team. Were you guys close in high school? Oh, yeah, we were real close. That's my guy. Um, we've been really close since really elementary school, into elementary school, going into middle school. We've been really close. What's part of the bond? The movies, video games, music? What? No, we do a lot. You know, we just hang out. We'll play video games together. We'll go watch movies together. Um, especially out here, really, anything we could do, we'll, we'll, we'll see what each other are doing and just try and do it together. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, 
we've been doing the same stuff since high school. High school is, you know, more like let's go to movies, do stuff after school, things like that. Work out. Yeah, work out, all that stuff. We all we trained together. We played seven on seven in the summers together. Like we did, we did a lot of stuff together and with a couple of our teammates in high school. But no, we, we've had a close bond. So he goes to UCLA, mm-hmm. but you make a name at Utah State. Mm-hmm. Great junior year. And then everybody's talking about you nationally. I mean, that's that's a pretty funny competition going between the two of you, right? Yeah, I know it was. Um, obviously, you know, Chris had all the offers, things like that in high school. Um, and then, you know, I went to Utah State, and I, I was doing my thing and started getting the looks. But, you know, he had he had his looks as, as well. And then, um, you know, draft night, he was at my house um, for the draft and, you know, doing his thing and trying to figure out what, what was going to be his situation. And, you know, he got the call that, you know, the Packers wanted him to, uh, you know, come out to camp and things like that, sign as a free agent. And I was like, man, that's crazy. We both both go to the Packers. So, uh, you know, it just worked out. Crazy story, Mike, and 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 good on you for getting like the the, the human interest piece. It's that's that's pretty wild. It's pretty sad too. You know, the best part is that if you see Jordan Love in front of his locker, maybe after the Eagles game, or if someone wants to bring up something about Aaron Rodgers, you you, you see how short the answers are, right? But we we just talked. We just talked. We just had, it was on a Friday. Easy going, and I talked for twenty minutes with the guy. He's a really solid kid. I know he's really well liked in that locker room. You know, it's just that he's waiting year two, year yeah. three, year four, because he sees guys like Daniel teams that they face, like Daniel Jones and the Giants, when they face the Dolphins on Christmas Day and Tua. You know, he sees quarterbacks from his class that have you know had two or three years of chance to play. Trevor, you know, down and with the Jaguars. I mean, he's he's getting anxious. He's only twenty four, but. You know, he he also would like to get out there too and start competing with those other guys and yeah. get his career going. Mike, good stuff as always. We'll do it again Friday at nine thirty-five, same time, same place. Okay, buddy. Thank you, Ebo. Nice. Thank you. You got it, buddy. There is Mike Clemens, our guy. 